Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to The Whole Hard Truth, a brand new podcast hosted and produced by the one and only Oren Lamina. DNVR is expanding our podcast universe with new and different voices, perspectives, and ideas. This is just one of many shows that will be distributed but not produced by DNVR and will be different than the type of sports-centric content that we produce in-house. This podcast does contain some strong language and the views expressed do not reflect the views of DNVR. Enjoy the show. And it was the strong all the parts of all beings whatsoever, everywhere and anywhere. And it's playing the game of hide and seek for himself. Gets lost, Yo. gets involved in the five thousand engines. This is crazy. It's actually working. You're gonna wake up. Hello and welcome. What's happening to all my people? Them. This is the inaugural, the maiden voyage of a momentous occasion. The whole hard truth. I am your host, Oren Lamena, and this is gonna be a wild ass ride. I promise you that. So what you're listening to right now is a song that I wrote back in 2012 called Prickly. Uh, A confession that is much like uh, the one you're about to hear. So the whole point of this platform is to create a space where people can come in and feel very uh, welcomed to speak their most sacred truths. And I'm going to set the tone. This first episode... Um, is all about yours truly and the life that I've led that brought me to this point where I feel like I can share that with y'all. It's not the prettiest tale and I can understand that some people are going to hear some things that they're not going to like or that they won't be able to understand or relate to and that's fine as well. Um, The title of this episode is resurrected fathers and it strictly deals with the 10 year long absence that I had in the lives of two people that I love dearly my two youngest daughters Kasenai in Lomena and Navashai Lomena I brought two people in to help me talk about this and it's two people that whose opinion and uh 
whose opinions more than anything I value. That would be my brother J.R. Johnson and my brother David King. So shit, I mean, there's not really a lot much more to say than that. This is uh, going to be a three-part series. And you're about to listen to part one of that series of uh, Resurrected Fathers, The Whole Hard Truth. Our conditions that under which we were raised are definitely like nature and nurture combined to make a human being. You'd agree? Right. Who you were already going to be, the genes from your dad and the genes from your mom, those things are your nature. Right. Right? And then your environment is your nurture. Right. And that shapes more of who you are, honestly. Cool. Yeah. Your nurture does. Yes. For sure. Absolutely. Because the things that are what you're made up of, yeah, they're in there. Yeah. But you're an everyday human being. You get up and you go and you do things. You eat cereal out of a thing. You, you know what I mean? You, you're doing things on a daily basis. And, and being present in those moments, that's you being nurtured. Right. This is, this is a great place because I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have had many other people to sit and talk with about this thing that I want to talk about. Right. Two others. Five. But two are both my sisters aren't really and they wouldn't even have the information the nurturing information right. necessary to you know what I mean right. you've been there with me through a yep. thing mm-hmm. and it's interesting because as we're sitting here having this conversation and it wound from race to community responsibility you know you and I, I how do I start this we go way back yes you are one of the only people who's known me since the event. Yes. That kind of nature shaped the life that I've led to bring me to this point. Yep. Mm-hmm. In, you know, know me, know me. Yes. Not know me. That's right. Orange. Like, oh, there's orange. Yeah, yeah. I got, that guy's funny. Help raise me. Right. Yeah. Know me. Yeah. And it's interesting because... I always, for a long time, the, the whole purpose of this this whole first episode of this show, and I really thank you for doing this with me. Oh, yeah, you know. I'm serious. Is to, you know, the purpose of this show in and of itself is to get to where we can have these kind of conversations where people start to realize that we can talk about things that we almost vehemently don't agree upon and walk away with more appreciation for one another if we do it in the I think in a, in a in the right spirit. And I think it's why I was kind of drilling down on the whole thinking you can show up and shout a racist down. Right. Right. I see into thinking and seeing things a different way. Right. It can't be done. No. No. It can't be done. No, it can't. It because that person is who they are and entitled to how they feel and how they believe until it encroaches upon somebody else's something. And then if they encroach upon somebody else's something, it's incumbent upon that somebody else to do something about it that will teach this person not to. Right. It's just, you know, so it's like, anyway, the disagreement and the inability to disagree and agree that that's enough is what the problem I have most with where we're at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
because it, it because you know we take on everyone's their own little ideologue we take on these things personally and it's like to disagree with what i believe is to uh, call me a you know you're almost tearing at my character as a person it's like it, it for me it just doesn't work like that having said that um i don't think that i could and and i think that that takes a mature person to sit in a conversation and be able to bear their truth hear someone else's truth be confronted with the fact I don't like what JR just said. Right. I don't like that. But still be able to look at that's my brother. Yeah. So, and you know what? And then be able to have the foresight to go, and I might not ever come around to what he thinks. Yeah. I might not ever come around to it. But that's still JR. That's my brother. So on this one, we agree to disagree. We just yeah, we just chalk it up and right. keep it moving. Truth, I believe, is what we're missing. Because at the core, people I think are are missing out on an opportunity to realize how strong we can be. When confronted with the truth, you can accept it, you can absorb it. It, can, it doesn't have to become a part of you. You can right. take from it what you need and leave the rest, or take all of it, or take none of it. It doesn't make what you're hearing any less true just because you don't like it. But the problem, I think, is there when it comes to truth, it's like whose truth is the truth? Okay. Well, I, I struggled with that. And, and I think what I came around to is this. The truth is like porn. You know it when you see it. You know what it is. Like, I just don't, you know, the truth of American history, for instance, right. is right in our faces. Right. We're old enough to confront it and see it. Thanksgiving was not a happy coming together of no, Native Americans. and It was the taking of one person's land by another people. Right. You could have told us that. I think we could have, you did tell us that. You just dressed it up to look yeah. differently. Yeah, yeah. Well, they didn't tell us that. You it, don't think that? It was, it, was, it, was, it was put in a, wrapped up in a nice pretty package of, look at the pilgrims came in and they had, right. they had this, right. you know, and they, they were lost and they, they couldn't figure it out. And they ran into the Indians and the Indians was like, oh, we'll show you what's going on. And then they all had a feast together, and everything was cool, and now it's Thanksgiving, right. and this is what we do every year. And they, but now, yeah. that didn't take away. The, the, the Trail of Tears still happened, and it was still written in right. books. Right. It was still there to be. Now, it wasn't emphasized. It wasn't emphasized. And it wasn't, it wasn't as much as you know the story of Thanksgiving mm-hmm. or the, the story that they gave us of Thanksgiving, less people know about the Trail of Tears. A lot of people know about, like, a lot of people didn't know, myself included, and I'm embarrassed to say this, about what happened in Tulsa. Right. I was the same way. A lot of people. Black Wall Street? Yeah. We used to hear it in raps, and I'd be like, Black Wall Street. Yeah, and then you was you was with it. You was like, yeah, that sounds like a nice concept. Not or even knowing that, that it was a real thing. That it was a real thing. And a real tragedy. And it got really, and it was really fucked up. It was really fucked up for people. Away. That's yeah. right. Yeah, and it was the first time that the U.S. Are, that they started using planes against people, civilians. Yes, within the United States. Yes, America. I mean, but you know, a lot of people didn't know that that occurred until that episode of Watchmen. That's right. When they showed the first thing, and people were sitting back going, "Is that real? Wait a minute, is this?" And you start looking it up, and you're like, "Whoa, this really happened." So, I mean, when you go back to, it's like, well, what is? What is the truth? I just, I, you know, I agree with that. I agree with what you're saying. And I, at the same time, I just feel like it doesn't lessen it that it's there because someone's able to obfuscate it from you. Right. And it doesn't make it 
your fault that you were susceptible to the obfuscation. That's but it true. doesn't make the truth any less true. Correct. You know what I mean? Right. And I feel like if we can, uh, th- that's what's going to be the challenge here. Because I do think that that's I, it's something that I struggle with. Like, well, who are you to arbitrate what's true and what's not? All right. right. Well, hopefully th- an episode like this one will right. establish to people that, you know, I know this. I know my truth. Exactly. Yeah. I know that. And so I challenge myself on a daily basis to not only confront them, but to be willing to speak the ones that aren't so flowery. Mm. Right. Because in doing that, what I've learned is, is that I disarm the enemy within myself mm. that gives me a whole shame thing. You know what I mean? Mm. I did, because it's like, well, this is your truth. Right. It doesn't determine. It's similar to how we got here when we started talking about, you know, for me, it's it's a truth that when I look at the coronavirus, a lot of it looks like the flu. <laughs> right? It's a truth. Right. Now, now, I've educated myself over the course of this time, and I've learned that there's variations to it. But you know, now that's a truth. That's a truth for me. But you need to be careful in how you speak that truth. That's the one thing I like. <laughs> yeah. You got to be careful in how you speak that truth because people are susceptible to it. That's why I brought. Joy up in in essence, right? Was that you got to be careful? You know what I mean? You got people. You know, I got my aunt Dolly. She's in her eighties. Right. I would never want a cold to. You know, I, I would never want COVID nineteen to affect her in any ill right. way. I wouldn't. And it, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, just because it's the truth for me doesn't mean that I have to inflict upon anyone else. You know, my right. unwillingness to to be that. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. Okay. Here we are now. One of the few people that know me know me. And, you know, this episode, this first, this inaugural episode of The Whole Hard Truth is about, and I was talking to Dave about it, and I wish I could play you parts of his interview. And the only reason I wanted to, because I think it would be cool for us to be able to react to it, but it, it doesn't matter. I'm going to chop this up to, to fit it. But um, I didn't know what to call it. Hmm. Absentee fathering, absentee parenthood. Maybe. When I said it to Dave, he was like, well, I mean. So <clears throat> this first episode, you know what I mean, is I don't know if it should be about absentee fathering or parenting in general. Uh, and I want you to, like, honestly, like, I'm not interviewing you. If you have questions, I uh, want you yeah, to. No, yeah, no, okay, no, for sure. For sure. If we get in an interview mode, it's I'm not, not going to be no. a whole nigga. That is it. Right, for sure. Can I say nigga on Absolutely. Nigga, <laughs> <laughs> that's the whole point. The whole hard truth. We're, we're, there's going to be a whole show on the word nigga, by the way. I would love to. Uh-huh. Have a contribution to that. Um, I believe that I should be able to say nigga. Um, so, I think that we should just have a conversation about it. I don't know if absentee fathering. I don't even know if that's a real word. Parenting, right. Um, I mean, a term. Because, like, if you're an absent father, then you're just not a fucking father of any sort. There's that real shit. You know what I'm saying? If we could go, I know when you first initially talked about it, you wanted to do that, so. For me, it's like this. You know, the way, you know, the way that we, that I reached this point has been discussed. Just not Mm -hmm. here. Um, I looked at my friends, my family in extension, though. Um, and the people who have been with me over the course of that Mm. period of time because you're absolutely right there is no such thing as an absentee parent 
like this ain't a bad parent. Like, you're just not a parent. You know what I'm saying? You're not a good parent. You're not a bad parent. You're a parent. It's like, what did Chris Rock say? There's some jobs that you can't have a bad apple. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. You, you get one shot. You, you, you fuck around. <laughs> you get one shot you at this. You fuck around. Right. You know, are you a pilot or are you not a pilot? Because if you're a bad pilot, then you're not a pilot. You know, you know the plane lands some, you know, sometimes land the plane. Like, right. Oh, no, nigga, you got it. This is 100 percentile. Right. This is 100 percentile. <laughs> yeah. So, parent, we all know there's no blueprint to this shit. You know what I'm saying? As parents, think about even people with multiple children. So, it's like, all right, the first kid, you're figuring it out with the first kid. The right. second kid, all right. But now you gotta learn how to fucking not show a difference with the others, with the kid. You know what I'm saying? And then you got a third kid, he's spoiled. And the middle child is, you know, all these different uh, characteristics that people develop because parenting is so fucking difficult because you're constantly trying to like massage somebody's mental well being. For know sure. What I'm saying? As this, while you're trying to be a person and be a healthy person for yourself and then for these people who depend on you. So when people say like good parent, bad parent, I think that it's just like it's not fair to good to people who are good parents or who are parents. Right. You know what I'm saying? Who do their job. And if you're just I mean like I said, if you're a bad parent, you're just not a parent. Shit, I'm ashamed for having to ask again. My nigga, you know she's right. This shit is lame. I try to blame my dad when I do my dirty chicken first. I'm just the egg that's cracking. Under the pressure, never seen him king or crown my mama queen. And yes, that may be accurate. Let me ask you this. You grew up in, and, and this is a good way. You grew up in a circumstance that I've always respected. Because you had adults in your charge. For, I did. To yes. a certain extent. No, I did. No, I had. People that were willing to look at truth. Yes. Right? Yes. Accept it for what it is. Right. And then make sure that they didn't... Inf- affect you in the way that you exactly. were able to, to to grow up with your siblings. Yes, yes. I had the one thing that I can say is is when it came to my situation with my parents and how they handled um their getting divorced, um and then how it was handled going forward, you know, with the way that I saw my dad and how my dad was in my life, um, and then my mother and the way that she handled my father and I's relationship um and then my stepdad mm-hmm. you know the way he came in and what he did for me all of those people when you say adults and Jody and Joe right and, and my stepmom too you know and Jody when you say adults they were all 125 percent grown as adults for sure and they never once, Never once did I hear anything bad about my dad from my mother. For sure. Never once did I hear anything bad about my mom from my dad. For sure. Um, I never had any conflict between my dad and my stepdad. Mm -hmm. There was never any conflict between my mom and my stepmom. And in fact, if I'm not mistaken, there were points in time when these people were able to kick it in the same space. There were there were a I would say that more often than not, right. these people were all kicking it in the exact same space. Like, I mean, we'd have holidays, we'd have Fourth of July's, we'd have 
celebrations over at my dad's and my mom and PJ came to. For there sure. There were celebrations at my house, at my mom and PJ's house, where my dad and Jody were That's always there. You know, and they bring the kids over, and everybody was cordial, and everybody was cool, and and and, and it was a fantastic thing for me. Um, it's kind of I, I kind of think it's why you are the kind of the person that you are. It probably yeah, I would say yeah. It shaped a lot of of who I am and how tolerant I am of a lot of things and how patient I am of a lot of things. Um, my mom and them when my mom and dad got divorced. My mom told me, you know, and I, I, she told me that, you know, well, your dad and I are not going to be together again. And my response to that, and she tells me this all the time, and I don't remember this, but I asked her, well, is he still my dad? Right. And she said, yeah. And I said, all right. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I need to know. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Is, is he still my dad? Am I still going to get to see him? Am I still? Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'm going to keep it moving. You know what I'm saying? So, and then, like I said, and then I go back to what I said before, never heard anything bad from anyone about any other. And it was all about harmony. It was all about, we're going to get along. We understand that my mother and my father, it just didn't work. For sure. And as two grown people, when shit like that doesn't work, you walk away from it. And then you, you go on with your life. I go on with my life. We know we have to come back together again because we do have this child. Right. But that's where it begins and ends. Right. You know, there's no reason. It's it's not going to be positive. There's nothing positive about me disparaging you in front of this child. Mm-hmm. It's nothing positive about me keeping you from, from this child. Right. You know, there was nothing positive about any of that. You know what I'm saying? And not my my parents, all of them, Realize that it, you know, your the the two households were, I think, demonstrably responsible for me not being a hardened criminal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you could thank Jody, Edgar, and PJ and Shout Debbie for Jody that. Johnson for and Edgar Johnson and and Debbie and, and PJ. <laughs> Shout out to them. I, I I caught me at a time when I could have gone either way. But then what? Since 86, she's in the same casket she been in, rolling over if she ever saw the way her son's been living. Like the same bastard I blame for being the same bastard I been tragic. Different rate, don't think that ice don't melt the same. You got your skates backwards, homie. The whole happening, my mom passing at 13, the adopted by family, you know, uh, kicked out of that household, federal charges on you, into the streets, raised by Denver, basically. Um... It's something that is unique to me. It's not unique to either of my sisters, in a way. They were just kicked out into a different city. One to New York, one to Rhode Island. And so I've watched how both of them have comported themselves and formulated their lives. And we've all three had our issues. You know what I'm saying? Like, serious ones. Joy has probably flowered the most out of that in terms of what you see on the veneer on the outside. It's just like, mother. Right? You fucking Joy in, man. Nigga. <laughs> June had her moments, and she's the oldest of the three of us. She had her moments, but now she's flourishing and on her. And from what I understand, she's t- taking the hardest hits. My nigga, for sure. I mean, I used to worry about her. I think the way that she's concerned about me, and yeah. this is over post. My point is, though, is, is that. We should really worry about ourselves. Nigga. 
I traumatized well because I I functioned in society. But it's like something's because when you think about the thing with the with the boy that wasn't mine. Yeah, and that's crazy. Africa, nigga. When he came out, I was like, well, I saw. I got a pick. I was like, damn, that's your boy. That's your boy. Africa. Somebody said something to me one time. My dad said it first. To me, she does, and that's weird about people. It's like how people can resemble their dog. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like you. This is what humans are capable of being. We shapeshifter, nigga. It will emulate from the time a child. The only thing it's that they learn is observing your other brain people. Is protecting you for yourself. sure, for sure. Our our vision, everything we see is upside down, and mm. your brain corrects it. Mm-hmm. The eyes look. The eyes see upside down. Right. Your brain flips the image. Flips the image. To right side up. Because it's like, you know, well, how the fuck are you going to do that? First coat. But, you know, we like, yeah, that's his daughter. Shit, I mean. Nigga. He looks like her. Somebody said to me, my dad said it first. June said it after. He said, you're trying to fill a hole. You keep grabbing these people that aren't yours. Right. The two that are off in the wind. Which, you know, is commensurate, I think, with. Dynamics in my family, which is kind of always distant but close. What if that's like subconsciously like um, your thing? Like um, you clinging to your own circumstances that you see in other people. For sure. Yeah. You're an orphan, so who do you, you seek out? You seek out the, those of the same cloth. For so, sure. You know, like we're, we're brothers of the same struggle. I can save you. <laughs> I'm going to uh, keep you safe from what I went through. Yeah. Or, you know. It's, I mean, it's just, it was something that I had to think about. It's something that I had to, and so, you know, to, to, to arrive at a point when it's like, well, you know, what does that mean for the two kids that you have that are, for me then it's just acting out of like anger with the mom. She's denying me, you know, access to have them come. I mean, for real, without money. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and really the system itself, like for a person to say, child support's a motherfucker. Child support's a motherfucker. And I'll tell you why. For a person to say, my kids are worth this. I get it. I watch you. The reason I wanted to talk to you for real, and I tell you this a lot, you and Jay are both, is because I have in my life the picture of men that I emulate Mm -hmm. that I wasn't able to get from a home circumstance. And you don't do for little David and Ryan the way that you do for any other reason than it's because that's how you are. It's not like, Oh, I, you know, I'm keeping a tally of the things that I provide. It's like, if I'm walking around here in the best, there's no way in hell. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? There's a, there's a, there's a, I'm even more like obliged to do so for them than yourself. Than yeah. That's that. That's that father. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, what differentiates a nigga on the street from your dad right. or from your father, or at least a teacher, let's say, in your father? Your father has a level of care for you that no one else. It has to be that, and you're you you have to see that in him too. Like I know if this motherfucker went if. Satan himself came in here. You can't whoop my daddy's ass. For sure. You know, I don't give a fuck what it is. I don't give a fuck how much, whatever's on that menu, my daddy can give me that. Or, you know, 
I think that it's important that your kids see that. You, let me ask you this. You grew up in a similar circumstance that I did at least for 13 years of my life, which is right. mother in the home, father not. Right, right, right. We've had conversations before. And, yeah, yeah. And I, and I heard young Dolph say something, and he was like, you know, if I got a homeboy in my in my clique that uh, don't, you know, be on this shit with his kids, I'm you can't fuck with me. Mm-hmm. And it registered with me for a second, like, damn, you know, you hang around niggas. First of all, how did do you think that your comeuppance where your dad is concerned played out any in any way with how you parent? For sure. And and also, how do you look at your homies that? Haven't had the same run. Uh, well, first and foremost, like as far as like my dad, what I wanted my dad to be, so, like right now, me and my dad were good. We, um, I've gotten to a point in life that I don't, I don't want to send nobody over further. If I still have it in my heart to be like, I want to fuck with you, right? <clears throat> Here is how I see that you will be able to fuck with me, and how I'll be able to fuck with you back. I'm not expecting. I'm not expecting you to. You know. I'm not expecting shit from you. Just pick up the phone if I hit you. You know. Or hit me back. Or, you know, if I feel like there's a only one person has a, a, advice for a particular situation, it's, it's my dad. You know, like just have some advice for me at least. You know what I'm saying? I'm Nigga, don't I'm, fuck me up. Yeah. <laughs> give me some advice. And my dad. You know, the thing about it is, which is fucking. Fucked up is like uh, my dad is one of the smartest niggas. Like I know Hashim is pushing. You know what I'm saying? And he's well read. He's articulate. He's eloquent. He's, he's got charisma. You know, he's, he embodies all the things of a motherfucker who, like, when your pops walks in the room, like when my dad walks in the room, he's the guy for sure. You know what I'm saying? And he carries it, and he embraces it, and, and he interacts well with everybody, and everybody can make everyone laugh, and he's witty and all that shit. And then, like, when I'm with him, I'm like, yeah, it's my pops, you know. I'll, I'll let him control the room, you know. And um, I, I, I crafted myself. And that was, I was only winning a very small amount, small intervals. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? In your formative years. Yeah, yeah exactly. Here and there, here and there, here and there. You know, my dad was, like, my parents had me young, 15 and 17, so... On one hand, my mom completely gave up her childhood because she was a child. Fifteen, you're you're a kid. You're literally. She completely just checked out of excuse me being a child, teenager or whatever, and became a mother. Mm-hmm. My pops, I think in his mind, like this isn't fair. You know, he was on the victim role. And Much so, like myself. He was a victim. Um, so there was that I see in myself just even just as a person that I am I am who I am because of all the other men in my life that I kind of molded myself after mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying and then even my mom I think I'm the father that I am because of the mother that I had you know what I mean you know, you know my mom for sure she's definitely her own character like, for sure she was sharpened by steel. And, you know, her and I, we butt heads. But at the end of the day, um, she did, she always did the best that she could. For sure. Doesn't mean it was the best in general. 
The road to hell is paved with good right. intentions. You know what I'm saying? But it's thing. like, damn, if a motherfucker's doing the best they can, you can't really. And I have to tell myself that shit. I have to talk to my mom. I'm talking to her. I'm getting mad at her. I'm like, mom, it was fucked up. But I'm like, in retrospect, it's like, she did the best she could. She can't see past the best. For sure. In her mind. For sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, she can't see past the best. And so, I'm actually, I mold my fatherhood after my mom. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, my mother was the father figure for me. So, my dad, I overcompensated for him. Like, when he would come around, everything he did was grand. Or, you know, I was super respectful. I don't give him reports of stuff that he, I thought he wanted to hear. You know, mm-hmm. very fake relationship. You know what I'm saying? You know, I can relate to that. If I had a hard time, I would tell him. You know what I'm saying? Like, we'd be embarrassed. I remember one time we lived in the projects, and I was embarrassed him to pick me up. Or, you know, we all we always lived in the hood, no matter where we lived. And, you know, we moved so much. Like, I, I pretty much went to a different school for 12 years. God damn. You know what I'm saying? So, I was just always like my dad, you know. And for a while, when I got older, you know, my dad got his shit, his shit together. You know, Pops was a millionaire for a moment in time. And I was like, you know, he'd come pick me up in his bins and shit, and I'd be like so self-conscious. I'm like, you shouldn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. Dad. For sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, it felt like, I don't know, man. It was just like, he was, I would go visit in, in the, uh, him in his good life. And then I, on Sunday, it's time to go back to my shit. For sure. For sure. That's wild. Like that. You know, like, if, if daddy's got it, we got it. For right. Sure. Right. So my son walks around talking, telling everybody to get <laughs> This little nigga's wild, bro. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you seen his Christmas list. Yeah, for Gucci sure. Cologne, Gucci belt, Fendi, Prada, a gold grill. I, when you said something to me about it, I was like, he's his father's son. Yeah, he's my son. But it's because he knows that he if he knows that if I if you have it, access, that's right. That's he right. He knows it. It's not no thing. It's not no like, you know, boy, you're going to have to. No. Of course, I should be a little more stern. No, you, you should be whatever you're going to be, but continue. That, nigga, that's my son. Okay? If I have jewelry and Balenciaga and Gucci and shit, and I don't even wear all that shit. He wears that, all that high designer shit. You know? My style's been the same as long as you've known me. For nigga cribbing. You know? But what I'm saying is, my... It's not. It's not really my dad. It's my mom who. who That's wild. It. I fashioned my fatherhood after. But if I if I did it, I mean, I know that I've done what I don't what I don't want my son for my daughter to feel. I got that from my dad and, and my mom. You know what's crazy is that because that's the irony of my path to this point is that I told myself the entire time I didn't want to be the man that my father was. Right. The father. And damn near, damn near, damn near ended up in the same situation. Although I had a revelation, which was like, my dad never got to, like you alluded to, reconcile with his kids. And I know it killed him, maybe even literally. When the nigga's calling me, he's crying. I dream about your mother. You know what I'm saying? She was, I was like, pop, I mean, that's, that's dope. You know what I mean? Those are sentiments that you got to share or, or. You can't cry that one out to me. You know what I mean? That you, my nigga, I was I was adopted. 
you could have been at her funeral and that would have been, you'd have said more. And so it's like, it's interesting that you say that you, so you, it's the things that you, in yours, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy in the way that I think most people would hope that it, I see what I don't like. I'm going to do the opposite. And in my case, it was, I see what I don't like. I probably am not acknowledging it the way that I should. And And now I'm repeating the cycle. It's like, when you're driving and you're trying to avoid something, right? My fucking beers in your lane, right? Or something, and you're so busy trying to not get hit by them that you veer into this other lane. lane and you fuck around and do what they're doing, For, nigga. Now you're gonna hit somebody else like they about to hit you. You know what I'm saying? That's now crazy. Stand on your lane. Slow down and let them niggas do their stupid shit. As opposed to mirroring them. That's that's for real. Their way. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. It's like, we all do that shit. Like, no, genetics is a motherfucker too because I still have my dad's genetics. Like, uh, you know, even like, well, my little brother, you know, the thing that's crazy about Idris, we have the same father. And me and my dad met Idris the same day. Now, it's crazy as fuck for somebody to meet their son. We met Idris when he was like 13. My dad always told me, you know, your little brother, man, you got it. Got your little brother around here in LA somewhere, you know. I'm like, that sounds wild. Right. So my uncle, uh, Hussein, shout out to Uncle Manny, he um called, he found my brother's mom, Alina. He found her. And Pops was like, Dave, we found your brother, man. Let's pull up on him. So he's staying over there off Adams. And uh Shit, went to his house. We came out the back. He looked just like my dad. Nigga, when you look at him, I'm like, it's so funny. Crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, he looks just like my dad. It's crazy. Irony. It's crazy. Yeah. Irony of it. Right. The one child out of us is me, Idris, and my two sisters, Layla and Deer. Out of all of us, Idris is the fucking spitting image. Spitting image of my dad. For sure. And. I feel like I'm more like him personal personality wise. You definitely you yeah. My sister, the charisma, the you know what I mean, the the leadership qualities off right, top. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. Cause Idris is very understated. Very. He very, looks like your father. But he's very not just like what either of y'all. Yeah, yeah. He's very ambient. Yeah, for sure. You know, my sisters who've been see the thing about that is it's crazy how God is, right? This is God. The motherfucker who's, I feel like I was the most affected. My brother is very lax and he's very forgiving. And and just like, you know, one time I was pissed off at my dad. And this was in pertaining, this was pertaining to my brother. For sure. A situation where I had to come in and do something for my brother. And my dad kind of just like passed the baton to me for my brother. And I was like going off and driving like motherfucking whoopy whoopy. And I'm just, my brother, his only contribution to the conversation with him. Yeah, that's crazy, man. <laughs> Whoa, yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? That's what the fuck I'm going off about here, dude. I'm swerving in the lanes. Yeah, it's just like, man, you know, that's crazy. And that was it. And my sisters who were with him their entire life, you know, they traveled with him, they 
I mean, my sisters have been to every continent of the country. Reaped all the rewards. Multiple times, you know what I'm saying? They've reaped all the benefits of having a father and mother in the house. And they're probably the furthest like my dad. Hmm. I'm the most like them, man. I'm the, I probably had the most resentment toward, toward him. him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And my brother, who was never around him, fucking is him physically. Right. You know? <laughs> right. So it's just like, it's crazy, like, how this shit... It's not new, nigga. The broken... I don't want to even say broken. The non-nuclear family is nothing new to the face of the planet. Right, right. You feel me? And so it's like, niggas have been meeting their siblings me? in their 20s Man, so <laughs> since, since the 17. My dad said, hey, take this number down. This your brother. This your brother. Call him. Okay, pop. All right. <laughs> You know, and, and and interestingly enough, it's like out of my siblings, like all three of us, and you know, with you know, with 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 both my older sisters, the resentment for my father was there. Yeah, they couldn't stand the nigga. I personally thought he was hilarious. I thought he was hilarious. You know what I'm saying? And when he would come around, I, I, I like how you, you know, when my dad came around, he always made it, a, and it was it was few and far between. But he always made it a, a point. He always made it a point to be flashing when he showed up. You know what I'm Look saying? How I'm Look how well I'm, I'm doing. Now, for us, you know, especially with my sisters, they're like, well, fuck ass nigga. What the hell does that do for your kids? You know what I'm saying? Like, and my mom, you know, and the 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 um the second mortgage that she took out on her home and you know, all the tragedy is there. You know what I'm saying? Single, my, I, we just kind of did the math. My mom was more than a decade older than my dad. Really? My father was a motherfucker for real. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a bad way. He was a, he was a piece of work. He was a piece of work. Smart you, man. Very smart man. Brilliant. My, both of my sisters can't stand him. I'm indifferent. If at anything, I'm just, I literally thought the world of this cat. And never really, I mean, to me, he was always a giant, you know, all the things. Like the Dick Gregory book. For sure. Like big, what was it? Was that? Ah, I'll tell you, nigga, it was, it'll come back to me because that, that book set, set me free. I got to take, I got to tap back in with that book. My nigga. It's just. Hey man, when you get with Dick Gregory, like, he's a monk, he's a black monk. For sure. And he's of his own, of his own path. That's why, you know, I feel like I got a little bit of that in me. I'm telling you, I know I do. Because I was talking to my mom today, and she's like, you know, I'm about to, you know, I'm, you know. I, I like to hear that when you came in and you was on the phone with her. Yeah, she's um, she's moving to Detroit. Mm-hmm. And I said, Mom, nobody moves to Detroit, but you know what? <laughs> Whatever the fuck you have to do. Do it. You, Right. Kids are wrong. You ain't gotta raise no more kids. For sure. Do what you wanna do. For My sure. My mom cut herself out of the, her childhood. She had to. She pressed pause. So really, my mom is a forty-eight-year-old, fifteen-year-old. You know what I'm saying? If you need to go to Detroit and finally run wild and maybe be do some, make some more of yourself than what you like and what you see in the mirror, you just do that, mom. Yeah, for sure. And I, I pray for the best for results, whatever the case is. You know what I'm saying? Like, this shit, we don't, 
This shit means everything and it means nothing. It's the it's the crux of I think what most people can't deal with with life is that it's the f- sweet spot between every decision that you make is the most important decision in the world. And, and it might not mean anything else. Might not mean anything outside of that. And all the grandiose explosions you want and affirmations and the confirmations you are good this yeah. or that was a bad that might not come. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's like to watch you, it's why, not only why, but you know, it's why I think there's a part of me that relates to you well is because imperfect circumstances brought about one of my best friends in the world and somebody who I know don't have it all figured out and at the same time that sweet spot and at the same time got a lot of shit figured out I don't know I don't have shit figured out but I know what I don't fuck with and I exactly know what I fuck with. so I feel like I have a good guide a guide a navigation system you know what I'm saying because I know which way is east and west for me right and north and south all that shit in the middle I don't know Love bites, hearts harden. You had the option to abstain so niggas say that shit. Ain't no reverse and smash seconds after you lie about it. First speaking in third person. A version of rehearsed this shit can change so fast. I'm impulsive with the bullshit. You want honesty? That's what you're saying now. So what you saying now? Man, I got so you know, I, it's not telling tales out of school. There's a lot of broken homes in America. Yes. The story of America is the story of a broken home. Yes. The inception of this country is the story of a broken, broken home. Broken home. The king and the whole thing, and then they break away. And right. I came up in a broken home, and it was somewhat different. And it wasn't because of my mom being any different a person, I think, than your mom. Right. My mom was a loving person. Would always make sure that we were available to speak to my father when he was on the phone. Right. But my father was in a whole nother country. <laughs> right. He was in the Congo, right? Right. It's funny, Joey and I were just talking about it. My mom wasn't no saint either in certain regards. And this isn't to despair. It's just like, you know, you find out stuff about your parents as you grow older. You yes. know what I mean? Yes. And and things that you can handle, yeah. I think. You know what I mean? If you're mature enough. You know what I mean? The, the the saintly picture that you have painted might have a little, you know, there might be some shit under the rug <laughs> in, the, in the picture. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, you know, but my mom was always good about, you know, you know, I, I can remember all the way through her passing, there wasn't a time when she didn't make us available to speak to my dad. Whenever he made him availed himself to us, she she was uh, you know, she was she was always on point with like, you know, talk to your dad. You right. know what I mean? It wasn't ever and created the best environment that she could for the three of us, my two sisters and I, until she passed. Right. And then she passed and I meet you. Right. Okay. Right. Now we're going to have to go through this. I I'm I'm going to try and take this because the whole point is to to give, you know, we come out of a church background, a praise report of sorts. Yes. You know what I mean? Because the prodigal son returns type shit. Right, right. And, you know, I, I always looked at my dad as the lovable pariah in my life that I never wanted to be like. Okay? Yeah, that's fair. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I never hate, I never disliked my father. Right. I never I can't ever say I resentment was there. I could say that, you know what I mean? Because you grow up in a circumstance and you see a guy who's got two sets of parents. Right. You know what I mean? I got other friends that had, you know, at least one good set of parents, you know what I mean? Or, you know, I was the orphan amongst my friends, right? And, you know, I never hated my father. I, I can truly say that. There was resentment there. And I I don't even think I really disliked the dude. I just there was resentment there and it was but I always said, 
I'm not gonna be that guy. Right. And you 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 know this. Well, the funny thing about or about your dad is I don't remember you ever talking about him. For sure. To you know when you and I would have conversations, you always brought up your mom. Always talked about your mom. Talked about your sisters. But you never talked about ever mentioned your father. That's wild. Never. I don't remember you. I don't even remember even learning about your dad. I did, I don't think until we got way, way older. I mean, even out of high school. For sure. I think we were like in our early twenties before you even started making mention of him and where he was and what he did and who he was. And I mean, this is late this is early to mid twenties before you even made any mention to him about he me. you know what and, and it's funny because my life after my mom's passing became all about kind of that tragedy. Right. Her. Mm-hmm. It was my world. Right. And then the subsequent <laughs> uh jailing mm-hmm. you know that followed and I never want to speak ill because you knew more of my adopted parents yeah. than you would have. Yeah. You know, and, and it's funny because for the listener, uh, my mom passed when I was 13. And then I was adopted by a family that were f- friends of the family. Um, it wasn't a natural sort of existence because my, my father, though he was alive, mm-hmm. was in a whole other continent. Right. And loathed to return. As a matter of fact, never t- that I know of. He might have because my dad was a slick one. He might have set foot back in the United States of America after 1986. I doubt it. I doubt it. But he might have. You know what I mean? He was, he was a get-around guy. <laughs> he, he was a motherfucker. He was a get-around guy. Stone. <laughs> he gathered no moss. That gathered man gathered no, no moss. But I was adopted by a family that was, and this isn't to disparage them, not my parents. And it wasn't like... Also, you know, you would think that a guy in my situation, so, you know, uh, one of three kids, single parent household, other living parent, but the other living parent is nowhere to be found. Living parent die. I mean, uh, custodial parent dies. Well, then that kid should probably be taken in by somebody who's blood relative. Yes. Right. But the story of my family is different because my mom moved out to Denver all by her lonesome. She had one friend out here. And, you know, all my other family was on her side. Guyanese were either in New York, Maryland or Guyana. Right. Okay, and upon her death, you know, the family comes out and they're like, oh, you meet a lot of cousins and uncles that you've never met before. You're like, wow, this is crazy. And then for the most part, everybody's like, all right, man, good luck. And they peace. And they gone. And it was it was a it was a I think, you know, as I learned, as I got older, it was just more of like, well, who's going to take this kid? You know what I mean? Because both my two older sisters were in college, so they didn't need to be taken in, so to speak. And they both went to school on the East Coast, so they were able to fold in with my family out there. And everyone, for whatever reason, thought it was best that I grew up in Denver still. (laughs) Which, I mean, at the end of the day, I wouldn't trade a day. Right. I wouldn't trade a day because of the family that the two families, the three families that I was adopted by. Um. My parents, Nigerian uh, immigrants as well. I'm all immigrant all the time. All my day. Birth parents, immigrants. My adopted parents, immigrants. Were not as, uh, huh. Well, how would you describe, how would you describe, JR, my mom and dad? My adopted Very parents. Very strict. Very strict. That one. They're Nigerian very, Christian, yes, absolutely Christian, devout, very, sweet people, yes, salt of the earth, very good people, 
very good people. But very... But very... This is how things are. Right. And this is how things should be. And in within these walls, this is how things will be. Or else. Or else. That's your ass, <laughs> Mr. Postman. <laughs> You're going to have to get outside of these walls. And if you want to operate outside of this construct that we have set up inside these walls, which this is here, this is how things are here, you want to operate outside of that, you need to be outside of that. That's for sure. Physically. That's for sure. Outside of that. So... And even, you know, like, even to that point, it's like, that, that, for me, it's funny, you said, I never spoke to you about my birth dad until, and I never really thought about that, but I, 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 I've been realizing lately that my biological father's story and I has kind of been a him and my thing. It's not something that I talk to a lot of people about. Everybody knows that my mom passed. Right. Everybody knows that I got an adopted set of parents. Mm-hmm. And then everybody knows that my dad's from Congo. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? And so it's like, but even outside of their home, you know, the one thing that I found, and, and, and okay, so, you know, 13, that happens. I meet my best friend in the world. Yes, sir. Um, I'm adopted into your family, and it, and it ended up being sort of a, a lifeline. When I couldn't handle things over here, yep. y'all, you know, were, a, were a, <laughs> to where <laughs> there are times when my mom is calling, like, I know he's over there. <laughs> Right. He's supposed to be in National Guard at the at drill. Why the fuck is he at your house? She wouldn't curse. She doesn't curse. <laughs> we know where he's at. We know we we know he's over there. To the extent where in the summertime, it would be 7:30 in the morning. I'd be asleep and I'd just hear boom, 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 boom on my bedroom window. <laughs> Summertime, you know, this is the middle of July. It's supposed to be sleep. What is what's what's orange? Right. Orange is at my house. Seven thirty in the morning. The kid who showed up and never left. Hey, hey, you was there though. I mean, but I, you know, I got it. Yeah. I understood why. For sure. You For know, sure. It I came did. across like that too. Yeah, I did. And I understood why. And and again, you know, I I, I met your parents, and and I love your I love Constantine, and I love I Eliza. Love They're Eliza. both great I people. I love them. You know, I love their, and I love Mary and John and all the, you know, and they were, I loved all of them. They just, it wasn't you. And that's what I started to realize, Jar. Is what's crazy is right. is that even the Christian aspect of it, and we'll go down yeah. this path. Yeah. You know, because it was very staunch. You know, charismatic, praying in tongues. Praying in tongues, you know, very strict household. Yeah. Very strict household. Name the things, it <laughs> it got a little wacky. Yeah. But not things that you couldn't relate to because we ended up going to the same churches right, and exactly. learning the same things. Learning and the exact same stuff. This, this ceramic sort of monotheistic version of God was something that I cling to. And I don't, to this day, I think that it was far more out of, well, I can tell you. Truth. Yeah. The first time I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I fell down because everyone else in line <laughs> fell down. I think everybody I'm did. 13 years old. I think everybody I'm 13 did. years old. This pastor's walking down a line of people, and he's just like, home shut up, whammy, bam, and people are falling. Bam, and then people are falling. Bam, and he's getting closer to me, and I'm like, this is about to be wild. I have no <laughs> idea what's going to happen. 
And he walks up to me and he's, Shondre, stop. And I stood there. <laughs> and he was like, oh, okay, you don't understand how you this works. Shondre! <laughs> oh, okay. I get it. Okay. And I fell backwards. Now that you smacked me to the point where I'm, I'm uh, damn near <laughs> going to fall down regardless. Damn near unconscious. <laughs> sure. The spirit moved. <laughs> spirit of God be upon thee. Oh. You don't understand how this works, boy. But yeah, I just don't, I don't think, or I don't think that um, you, I don't think you were ready nah. for that. And I don't think that, I, I just don't think, I don't think you were ready for that. But you live in a, you live in a nurturing circumstance, right? right? Where right. that's the thing. This yeah. is what we're doing here. Right. Up at 5 a.m., we're praying. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Praise and worship. I can't remember if you came over to that birthday party around ninth grade-ish. It was Mary's. I know I had called on the lifeline. It might have been Daryl. My mom, my adopted mom, God bless her. She was. She is the, do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Right. She, Upon meeting you. There. Right, right. She was, yeah, yeah. She Hi, was, what's your name? JR? JR, do you know Jesus Christ is exactly. your Lord and Savior? You're like, I'm 14. I I don't even know <laughs> I don't even know what you mean. <laughs> what you're talking about right now. And, yeah. and so the environment was very much this is the thing that we're doing. So what are you going to do 13-year-old Orin? Right. And 13-year-old Orin tried his best I think to conform. And when I couldn't, I'd be at your house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll be at the Johnsons. Like, yeah, do I have to go home yet? Your mom would be like, you, you got to go home. You you need to go home. You have to go home. Yeah, you've been here for like five days. So you got to. <laughs> Six ain't. Could you just adopt me? <laughs> so in that context, I grew for three years until they kicked me out. And then I'm off into the world. Right. On my own. Mm-hmm. And I think with my adopted dad, what I developed was what I didn't have with my dad was a a want to please I didn't have a lot of male. Y'all were my dad, basically. The streets, right. my friends, right. my my friends' dads. Right. Ended up being the people who kind of taught me that because I never had one at home. Mm-hmm. And then I had one who I couldn't relate to. Right. Right. Unless I was doing the thing that I didn't even really understand what it was, the super uber Christian thing. Right. And in that environment, I grew. Into my, and always saying, it's crazy. Even sitting here talking to you about this, always saying, you know what? I'm not going to be the type of man that my my the guy who wasn't even around was the guy that I was worried most about. You're right, right. As opposed to the, and what's crazy, Orrin, is you didn't even know who that guy was at all. You had no clue at all. So you were trying to please someone that you didn't even know how you could please him because you didn't even know him. That's right. I mean, you know, from so so. To put that into context right. and, and to get kind of to where I'm trying to go with this, I looked at my dad, my biological father, Sebastian, right. as the person I didn't want to be. And then I looked at my dad, Constantine, as the guy who at least I wanted to make at least believe that I was capable of being kind of like the guy that he would, you know. Right. I remember him saying to me, he's like, you hang out with JR. This man gets straight A's. If not, how the fuck are you, you, and he's him, and that's your best friend? 
How you don't pick none of this stuff up from him? I was like, I pick up the other shit that I really need to know about. He teases me a lot about music that I can't listen to at home. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Everybody can up. We're listening to Rapping for Jesus at the crib. Yeah. And then I go up and I put on my mixtape that you made me, and it's like the Ghetto Boys. and yeah, You know what I mean? Easy does it and all this and, shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Quietly in my headphones. You know what I mean? But when it came down to getting married because I don't want to spend a lot of time in that let's just say I lived a wayward youth after my parents kicked me out it was like the wayward youth try not to get yourself jailed right you know trying to survive trying to survive yeah figure this whole thing out and at the same time when I go home though please believe the pants would come up I'd take my earrings out right still trying to please the parents at at the crib JR you know one of the biggest things that one of one of the biggest the, the falling out in the spirit was one of the first lies. Not one of the first lies I ever told, but it was a pretty big one because mm-hmm. it sat with me. Right. It's something that, you know, you do, and then it's like, well, I'm a Christian, and then you speak in tongues because you hear people going, I'm just keeping it a buck. Rarely, if ever, can I truly say that I was in a place where I understood what any of that was or I wasn't kind of just going along to get along. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just keeping it a buck. No, that's 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 real. That's absolutely real. Yeah, I honestly never really understood it, and I didn't realize I didn't understand it until I got older. And then I looked back on it, and I was like, I really didn't understand it. Right. Anyway, go ahead. But no, it's the placebo yeah, effect. Yeah. In that regard, right. it's kind of like, you know, you do what the cr- crowd is doing. We're right. watching this play out today exactly. on social media. You do what the crowd is doing. Just, well, yeah. is this what we're doing? This Group is the thing. thing. Okay, well, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. I can do that. Yeah, I'll do that. Make a bunch of words that aren't, you know, I don't want to disparage anyone's uh, spiritual experience. Right. I'm just saying this is my truth. Exactly. Exactly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. First big lie I ever told to my parents was that I, I believe how y'all believe. Okay. Or the, the let's, let's not call it a lie. That's the first time I just went along to get along. Right. You As opposed to, to speaking be, my truth and going like, I don't understand what this is. Right. Even at 13, I don't understand. There probably would have been, you know, a point. Well, with my parents, God only knows. It probably, was, <laughs> God only knows how you know that understanding might have been reached. <laughs> yeah. But you know, for the most part, I would have assumed that you know they're good enough people to where if I was you now I'm 13, but at the same time, if I was bold enough at that time, I feel like to say I don't understand this. Right. As opposed to I'm not gonna do this, or as opposed to doing it and just doing right. it to get along. Right. Right. Which I feel like is even worse. Like to rebel is one thing. It's outwardly saying, I don't, this is how I, I'm not doing that. To just go along but not understand it and not agree yeah. with it, it's kind of cowardly. Yeah. And I'll, t- I'll give you another case in point. You grow up, I do all the things. I lived a full teenage through 20s lifestyle. Mm-hmm. We don't need to get into it, but I did all the things. After my parents kicked me out and I got my own apartment, we got into yeah. enough. We got into enough adult situations to, you know. Mm-hmm. When Jess and I, you know, started dating, it was the thing. I love, and still to this day, have love for her like that. Jess, of course, being my ex-wife. Right. I moved to Florida. Yep, remember that. Long distance relationship. Moved from Florida after nine eleven back to Denver. Now we're living together. Had a kid yep. that wasn't my child. Yep. There's a lot of things that I've had to excavate and be like, what were you trying to, what hole were you trying to fill with people? Because mm-hmm. that's what it was. Yeah. People's approval, people, people. Right. 
So I got one that's not mine, but it is mine. Mm-hmm. And then Jess comes up pregnant. And my dad, Constantine, Connie, sat me down at lunch. You know, this is a very devout Christian man. And he says, uh, you know what you're going to do, right? You know what you need to do? You, gotta, you guys are living together in sin. Right. <laughs> now she's pregnant. Right. You know what you need to do? You know what you're going to do, right? You got to marry her. You got to marry her. Period. And at that point, JR, is where I made probably the second biggest mistake of my life. Yes. Because <clears throat> I had another chance, to, not to stand up to him, but to stand up to him and say, that's agree to disagree, sir. Right. <laughs> that is, that sounds great for your advice. Right. As a man, maybe I'm not ready for that. And as a man that is fully in charge of my life and my experience, mm-hmm. I'm not willing to do that because I don't believe that that would be conducive to my experience or to what is what I'm going because at the end of the day, yeah, you can tell me I need to get married and I and I and and maybe that is the right thing in your circumstance. Right. But at the end of the day, you're going to go back home. Right. I'm going to have to deal with it. Right. I'm not willing to do that. Or I'm not ready to do that or I don't want to do that or just anything. But in 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 in, in, in right. trying to please that man, right? Because that's what it was. Yeah. Again, my truth. I didn't marry my ex-wife out of this undying love for her. Right. I married her because I was told to do so by my father. <laughs> well, and not only were you told to do that by your father, but there was another father figure in your life at that point. Come on, man. Who was also preaching. Marriage, 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 marriage. You were hearing that from the pulpit at that point. Come on, man. Too. Okay. That situation that we were in there, remember, it was just, you know, you had to be fruitful and multiply. Right. We kept hearing that. We kept hearing you got to find somebody in the congregation to marry. Marry them. Find them. Marry them. Another man, another male authority figure in your life at that point was telling you the exact same thing. Just from a different way. So you were getting pressure from here. You were also getting pressure from there, too. And trust me, that pressure was real. It's very real. And and the, and the, the, the consistent theme in it was my willingness to fold to that pressure as opposed exactly. to standing up for myself. And for those that don't know, because you wouldn't know, what Jared's talking about is, is that we went to a – so I studied – we studied Judaism for nine years. Yes. Uh, before that, we were going to the same church. Mm-hmm. That led us to, right to that this to the Hebrew roots, the Hebrew roots of Christianity. Christianity, yep. And this whole that Oren, I hate talking in third person. I won't do that again. <laughs> this hole that I was trying to fill with people, with approval from people, mm-hmm. was something that wasn't ever going to be fulfilled like that. Right. And so you know you. It comes around to 2003. We're going to, you know, Sim Katora. Right. You know, it's, you know, it's all, everything feels all kind of. Yeah. I look back on those years, Jar, and I'm like, I understand what it was now in my life. I understand because there's so much value that I've 
gotten from my spiritual experience. Um, especially now when I look at how I look at the world. Right. And then there was a lot, I think, that it, that spirituality I used to mask over trying to deal with some real issues. Mm-hmm. And so from one father I'm getting, you got to marry your, the girl you knocked up. Right. And then internally, I want to be a better. I want to be better. Mm-hmm. I want to be I'm better. I'm not gonna be my dad. God. I'm not gonna be my dad. I'm not gonna be my dad. I'm not gonna be my dad. So yeah, I'll marry her. Yeah. And then of course, uh, there's 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 a pastor in the pulpit who's more than willing to, yeah, at least promote those same messages. Absolutely. And from that point, my marriage was doomed. Yes. Yes, it was. Because it wasn't a decision that I made. Not their fault. It's not those people's fault. It's my fault. Absolutely. For not willing to stand and say, no, Rabbi, that's not how I'm feeling. No, Pop, I get it. I don't think we're there. I'm going to – and that that doesn't make me my dad. It doesn't make me the father that I didn't have to say, at this point, let's all hold off. Yeah. I'm living this experience. Exactly. And at the end of the day, I'm the only one that's going to be accountable for this experience. Right. Bruh. Period. It's so paramount, Jar. I didn't even realize the 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 deceit in people pleasing hurts you most. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because what you end up doing is denying yourself. Your true wants, needs, whatever, in order to and you know, ego does it to us, right? You know what I mean? It's like you're this person with these people. You're this. So with my parents, I was constantly trying to be the good Christian. Right. Constantly trying to, even though I'm in the streets living like the, <laughs> like Beelzebub himself, just out there. But I go home, my pants right. come up, the gang tats get covered. Right. The earrings come out. Mm-hmm. I'm an adult male for the most part. I mean, I was in my 20s yeah. doing these things. I'm not ashamed of it now, but it's just what it was then. And then I would be with, you know, the people who, with y'all, I could be my true self and figure out who that was. Right. You know what I mean? So you, so, 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 so to my, to my dad, like, is this gonna, this was gonna be the thing that makes me a good son? Right. Sure, I'll marry her. Yeah, of course I love her. Yeah. Sure. God, yeah, there's enough in you to right. give me. And it wasn't. It's funny, though, because that decision to do that, when I say do my marriage, which is true, yeah, um, was another one of those moments when I wasn't true to myself, and I set myself up for exactly what I thought I was trying to avoid. Yeah. What, from the outside looking in, when Jess and I were getting divorced, did you think that there was a chance for us? Like, what what were your observations of us as a couple, first of all? <laughs> okay, so I when I first met Jess, okay, when we, you first, I remember this. You brought, I, we were living in Mill Pond uh-huh. in that apartment over there. And you were like, I'm going to bring over you know, somebody I want you guys to meet. It's my new girlfriend. Her name is Jess. I remember Marcy and I going, all right, that's cool, right? Uh-huh. You, from the onset, or from the minute you walked into the door, I looked at her and I was like, 
nah, that's not going to work from the onset. And you can ask Marcy because we had a conversation after you guys left. I said, man, they don't match. They don't match. She's a completely different person than he is. They're on two different ends of the spectrum. Dude, from day one, one I knew that wasn't going to work. From day one. And that's, that's the crazy. honest to God. And I don't know if I've ever told you You that. never told me that. Yeah, from day one, dude, from the day you brought her in, the first time that I met her, I was like, nah, that's not going to work. And so it was amazing to me that it wasn't amazing to me that you guys got pregnant because that shit happens. Right. You know, when you're in your 20s and you're doing things and you're sleeping and you're having relations with people, things like that happen. For sure. Okay, so that part of it wasn't really that shocking. When you said that you and her were going to get married, I was like, I don't think that's going to work. And that was from that. I mean, when you guys got married, I knew it wasn't going to work. Bro, we got married at the courthouse. I know. Which Which doesn't, for sure, for sure. We got married, for sure. and I got married at the courthouse, and we've been married for it, it, the 24th of this month, be 19 years. God damn. Yes. We got married the exact same way that you guys did. But our experiences were were completely different, man. You guys were not. No. Never. No. Not from day one were you guys in lockstep. You guys were so far apart. You know how you say in the Bible when it says that you have to be equally equally yoked. yoked. You know, and everybody always takes and they put a religious connotation on that. Well, we're all we're both supposed to be believing in the same God. No, that's not what God. God's very pragmatic. And when you're starting to equally yoke means that you guys are going in the same direction. For sure. On everything. For sure. Okay, it's not just religion, it's everything. For sure. Kids. Do you want kids? Do you not want kids? Do you are you gonna go in this direction? You wanna live in the city, you wanna live in the country, you wanna do this, you wanna do that. You know, that's what it means by being equally yoked. You guys were not from day one. One. So with that, we're gonna step away. Break off for a second. That's a lot to pack into the first part of this three parter. Yeah, definitely could use some counseling. Um, I hope right now you're picking up on on where I'm trying to head with this. Um, The whole point is to be completely transparent and set a tone that I think will 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 play out best in this show, in this podcast, I should say, for future episodes. The whole point is is that. Bring your whole shit to the table and um, let's talk about it. And we'll find out a lot about each other and a lot about ourselves in doing so. Part one in the books. Part two, Resurrected Fathers, The Whole Hard Truth. Coming up next. Appreciate you.